I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. Talking, talking to my diary. I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. I'm talking to my diary. I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. I'm talking to my diary. I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. I'm talking to my diary. So back in the 90s, there was a rapper named Scarface who did a song called No Tears. One of the bars in that song, he says, there's this killer up inside of me. I can't talk to my mama, so I talk to my diary. So, this podcast is called Talking to My Diary. And the reason why I'm talking to my diary is because I need to deal with this killer up inside of me. And what is this killer up inside of me? I'm not talking about the desire to kill people. I'm talking about this self-destructive force that I contend with on a daily basis. I would define this self-destructive force as inconsistency. Inconsistency is the power of self-sabotage that I deal with on a daily basis. I'm 45 years old. And I haven't done a tenth of what I've desired to do, envisioned. And a big reason why I find myself frequently unable to accomplish the things that I desire to accomplish because I'm just so inconsistent. I can't figure out how to just be consistent. I start things really well, but I fall off the wagon. I've started podcasts like the Indwell podcast where I taught scripture memory, and then I just quit. I used to blog every morning, and then I just quit. I started a vlog, and then I just quit. Started an online Bible college called Alba University back in the day, and then I just shut it down. And there's always a good reason. It's like, you know, technological problems, taking too much time, financial problems. But at the end of the day, this problem of inconsistency shows up in every area of my life. Even with Cryptogenic, my YouTube channel, my Patreon, my Crypto Patreon, 
I never intend to quit. I think that's the thing that I'm realizing is I don't intend to quit. It's just I take a day off. Like I just don't feel like making a video today. And then the next thing I know, I only made one video this week where my intention is to make a video every day. And I think back on Cryptogenic over the last year and a half, had I just done what I intended to do, make a short video every day, just look at a few charts and put it out there. That's all you got to do. My channel probably would have blown up by now. But I'm inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. Some weeks I make five videos, some weeks I make three videos, some weeks I make one video. And the more inconsistent I am, the fewer videos I make, the fewer videos I desire to make. It's like inconsistency robs me of my inspiration, my motivation. Inconsistently, inconsistency causes me to feel like a failure. Feeling like a failure makes me less productive. Being less productive makes me more inconsistent. Being more inconsistent makes me feel like more of a failure. Feeling like more of a failure makes me less motivated to produce. Makes me less productive. On and on and on. Back in 2019, I lost 50 pounds. I was 242 pounds. And uh, actually lost more than that. I was 242. I got down at one point in 2019 to 183. So how many pounds is that? That's almost 60 pounds. One pound away from 60 pounds of weight loss. My goal was 180. But somehow... I quit. I quit doing what I was doing. I was going to the gym every single day, waking up early in the morning, going to the gym, working out. I was eating a strict keto keto diet. I was really proud of myself in June of 2019 because I had been on my diet for three months and I had lost 30 pounds, 32 pounds. I was 210 pounds the day we left for Southeast Asia on May 30th or May 31st, 32 pounds down, going to Southeast Asia, and I was so worried because I thought I could easily lose myself. I mean, I, there's no way I can do keto in Southeast Asia, so I put together a plan. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat a low-carb breakfast, but a substantial breakfast, like a big omelet, whatever, I'm going to skip lunch, and then I'm going to eat a reasonable dinner. And I did that, and I worked out for an hour and a half every morning that month. And I lost another 10 pounds, but also gained a pound and a half of muscle that month. I felt so good about myself. Broke under 200 pounds on July 1st, 2019. Felt so good about myself. And um, how did I fall off the wagon? Somewhere along the line, I just quit. I just stopped doing what I was doing and went back to doing what I used to do. Inconsistency. And I never intended, it wasn't a day where I said, you know, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to stop. 
just took a day off. And then that day turned into two. And the next thing I knew, I was gaining all my weight back. So where am I right now? Honestly, I haven't even stepped on the scale because I'm afraid to. I still have days. I'm 45 years old. And I have days where I cannot function all day long. I can't get anything done. I can't wash dishes. I can't fold laundry. I can't respond to emails. I can't make a video. I'm like Buridan's ass. You know the story of Buridan's ass. The question is, if there's an ass or a donkey, and you set before that ass water on one side and hay on the other, and they're equidistant, the question is, what does the ass choose, the water or the hay? They're equidistant, and the answer to that question is, he dies of both starvation and thirst. That's how I am on many days. It's like there's all these demands of me, all these things that I should be doing, that I could be doing, and they're equidistant. They're equi-important, and when I start doing one, I'm overwhelmed with guilt that I should be doing another. And so I quit that one and start doing another, and I'm overwhelmed with guilt that there's something else I should be doing. No matter what I'm doing, I should be doing something else. And I have these days where that sense is so overwhelming that I'm completely non-functional. And I don't know how to overcome it. And then somehow the next day, this wave of inspiration comes, and this prioritization process happens in my brain and I know exactly what to do and I'm able to do it. I have these super productive seasons in my life. And most people think that's how I live because that's how I project myself. I might have two to three completely non-functional days in a week, but as soon as you see me, You see me when I step in front of a microphone. You see me when I step in front of a camera. And whenever I step in front of a camera or a microphone, I become ultra-productive, competent. I know that that side of me is excellent. I know that I'm eloquent, I'm articulate. My presence is powerful. It's just when I go home and I'm trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, apart from those days, it's so clear what I should do. Just consistency. I've got this perfect day in my mind, this perfect schedule in my mind. If I could just do that, a hundred different things in my life would have succeeded. But what creeps in is this discouragement, and kind of here's how the discouragement goes. It's like, I do something that in my mind I think is just so excellent, so good, so powerful. 
but the response to it is either minuscule or missing altogether. And it just, somewhere inside my heart, it's like nobody actually cares about that. Well, if nobody cares, then why am I killing myself to do this? So I've, I've gone through this for 18 years as the pastor of my church. I preach my heart out, and then the next Sunday, nobody's there. Half our people are not there. And I'm like, shouldn't people be like waiting in line to get into in the door of this church? I know that may sound prideful or egotistical or whatever, but I'm talking to my diary. Maybe it is prideful. But I've just always believed that I'm exceptional, that I'm excellent. I am my own favorite preacher. People ask me, who's your favorite preacher? I never tell them the truth. I say T.D. Jakes or somebody. But it's not true. The truth is my favorite preacher is me. There's nobody that I would rather listen to than myself. And I actually go back and I listen to my old sermons and I weep and I repent and I get on my knees in my living room and I come to Jesus. I hear a lot of people say, I hate the sound of my own voice. I'm the opposite. I love the sound of my voice. I love the sound of my voice when I'm talking. I love the sound of my voice after I'm done talking. I love listening to me. The Lord, if there's pride in there, I mean, I know there's pride. Of course there's pride. And the, the Lord, maybe that's what this is all about. Is the Lord breaking me of that? I don't know. Um, but there's also confidence. And there's also a clarity about where I'm gifted. I know the gifts that I have. I know what I have. I know who I am. I know that I'm not only articulate, but I also have wisdom, and I have knowledge, and I have understanding. I just don't get why such a small number of people see that or value that. And so I've, I've dealt with this for years, this last Sunday. Man, the Word was just burning in me. I was up early with the Lord Sunday morning, and He gave me this whole Word on blamelessness, and it was burning in me, and I was so full of joy and of the Spirit of God. And then I got to church, and I looked out at the crowd as the service was starting. Nobody was there. Service started with just a handful of people, and then more just trickled in. And I thought to myself, without the visitors, this place would have been empty. But then you got visitors coming in, and our actual people are not there. You know? What the visitors feel is like, oh, nobody really cares about this. Well, if I'm coming into a place as a visitor, and the actual members don't really care, well, why should I care? And so I'm like... Gosh, already our testimony is shot with these visitors because the place is empty. So I'm just discouraged. I'm just so discouraged. I'm sitting in the front row, and through worship, I'm just trying not to go get in my car and leave. 
because there's that inconsistency part of me. It's like, well, if nobody else cares about this, why should I? Why should I kill myself? I, I find it's the hardest part about being a pastor is that people will put you on a 40-day fast and then go to a pizza party. Like People want you to carry the burden of their spiritual life while they put in minimal effort. Even the effort of getting up and coming to church is too much for most people. I know, I'm, I'm, I sound really bitter right now. Well, you know, I'm talking to my diary. <laughs> and sometimes when I talk to my diary, that has to come out. I'm not talking to you. So, I've struggled with this for 18 years. And when I think about that, I just want out. I just want to get out. The only difference is pastoring this church is a job. And I got to go to work. If I didn't have to, I probably would have quit a long time ago. But I still have to show up and preach every Sunday. So I spend the week trying to get my heart in gear. But when it feels like there's minimal interest, minimal value, then my heart starts searching for something else. And so I start making music. And I pour all of this effort into my music and I produce it and I put it out. And it gets like 20 listens. Nobody cares. At a certain point, it's not even productive for me to talk this way. Because the deeper I go into that side, that side of me is real and it's there, the more bitter I become. And bitterness is the killer inside me. It's not just inconsistency, it's disappointment and bitterness that leads to inconsistency, and that's the killer inside me. And I have to figure out how to deal with it. I'm finding that at 45 years old, I've got so many layers of disappointment that I don't know how to sort through. And those layers of disappointment make it harder and harder for me to believe, for me to try, for me to make an effort, for me to get up again. Shakespeare in that Hamlet soliloquy, the famous one, you know, to be or not to be. Really, he's talking about committing suicide. And he says later in the soliloquy, for who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the laws delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes when he himself might his own quietus make with the bare bodkin? Who would fartles bear to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the threat of something after death the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns puzzles the will 
and makes him rather bear those ills he has than fly to others he knows not of. Thus conscience doth, doth make cowards of us all. And thus the native hue of resolution is sicklied o'er with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pitch and moment in this regard. Their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. This is what he says. Basically what he's saying is, the only reason a lot of folks don't commit suicide is because they're scared of what comes next. What comes after death? I got problems now, and I could end those problems by killing myself, but what's next? There might be a greater problem. And so I'd rather just bear those ills that I have than fly to others that I know not of. I think I deal with that existential angst, that existential crisis, but from another level because I've never felt the desire to kill myself. I do not struggle with suicide. I've never wanted that. I've never, I've never felt that urge. I felt the desire. I felt the desire to just die at a couple of moments in my life, low, super low points in my life where I wanted to just die. But even then, maybe I could, I could count on one hand and it, it lasted maybe a day or two. So that I, the deepest desire in me is to live and to thrive. But that whole concept of the unknown, puzzling the will, causing enterprises of great pitch and moment in this regard, their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. This is how I see this kind of working in my heart. I don't know what disappointments await me. I don't know how much disappointment I can handle. And if I keep hoping and keep trying and keep working and I still get disappointed and rejected. Maybe it's better to just deal with the level of rejection and disappointment that I feel on a daily basis than to pour all of my energy into another round of trying to somehow overcome or succeed or create something that's meaningful and be disappointed at a higher level. Maybe it's better to just bear the disappointment that I have than to pour my all into trying again and experiencing a greater level of disappointment that I know not of. Thus conscience doth make cowards of us all, Shakespeare says. The native hue of resolution is sicklied o'er with the pale cast of thought. And enterprises of great pitch and moment in this regard, their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. That's me. That's me. 
But there's another side to it as well. And the other side to it is um, I watched this documentary last night called Generation Wealth. And I was sick to my stomach through the whole documentary. I wanted to puke. I was sick to my stomach at the absurdity of the spirit of this world. The absurdity of the pornography, extreme opulence, the love of money that is the root of all evil, the desire for fame and for wealth, and what it does... They interview this guy named Florian Holm, who was a super wealthy uh, hedge fund manager. And he basically defrauded his clients out of a couple hundred million dollars. At the pinnacle of his wealth, he was worth close to a billion dollars. Probably in today's money, it would be well over a billion dollars. And he talked about owning multiple 20,000-plus square foot homes that he never stepped foot in. Talked about taking his family on $3 million vacations. He talked about having lunch with his wife in the most opulent harbor and looking out at the boats over lunch and saying, which one do you want? That one, that one, that one, which one do you want? And then purchasing whatever boat his wife wanted. And at the end of it all, he's weeping with tears in his eyes because he's now living basically as a fugitive in Germany because he's a German citizen and Germany will not extradite its citizens to the United States of America. And he's weeping and he's crying and he says, anybody who thinks that money can buy you anything has never had any real money. He said, because I had all the money in the world, but yet I cannot buy the smiles of my children. I've lost them. I cannot buy the love of my wife. I've lost her. He's just weeping and crying and saying, it was all bullshit. It was bullshit. At the end of this world, all of it, all of the desire for fame and fortune and success and power and money it's just a load of crap. And I just wept. It's like, Lord, I repent of that side of me that wants that, that wants, I want to succeed so bad. There's a side of me that wants to succeed so bad, that desires that affirmation of the world so bad, that longs to be discovered so bad. that longs to be known, that desires to be validated by the world. 
on the one side, it makes sense. It's like, you know, validation, acknowledgement. It's when what you do and the response that you get back are the same. Right? What, what is insanity is when the response to what you do or say is not equivalent or in keeping with what you do or say. It's kind of like um, you clean the whole house. It's Valentine's Day. Your wife comes home. You've got a bouquet of her favorite flowers on the table. You made her a candlelight meal. You give her a full body massage. You got music playing. Want like you did everything. You spoke all of her love languages, and she and she just goes, "Oh, that was cool. Thanks." It's like the response does not equal the effort that you put in. That's painful. It's like you sit down with your husband and you pour out your heart to him and you tell him that you want him to share his feelings with you and you want to share your feelings with him and you want to be intimate with him. Not just physically intimate, you want to be emotionally intimate with him. But you feel like he's just locked up inside and you tell your husband that you want to know him and you, with tears in your eyes and he goes, oh, okay, that makes sense. And you're like, that's it? It's like we played the fiddle, but you did not dance. And we played the dirge, but you did not mourn. That's how my life, that's my life. And so on the one side, it makes sense that I would experience this insanity. <laughs> like I'm going insane. Like I preach on Sunday and I'm like, did you not hear? Like, did you not see? Did you not hear? Did that not? Don't. Do you, do you hear? Like, why Why does nobody care? But then on the other side, there's this spirit of this world that says your number one desire should be fame and success and the validation of people. And when I watched that documentary and saw everything that comes out of that and the links that people were willing to go to to get that and how destructive that, that is, how... How nasty. And these are not Christian people. But even they are coming to the conclusion, the Bible tells us that those who want to get rich, they fall into a trap and, and the pit. And, and it's like the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You know? And so the pious side of me says, just let all that go. Forget about wealth and success and fame and and both sides are real and valid because there's a part of me that longs for acknowledgement and it's right it's relational but then there's the other side of me that longs for more than acknowledgement Longs for power and fame and wealth and success. All of the, the, it's the spirit of this world. And so that has been part of the dilemma for me is how do I put to death the old man which grows corrupt 
according to its deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of my mind, and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. How do I do that? Without losing my... my motivation, my inspiration. Because part of the crazy making is I get inspired to create things and to produce things that I believe are valuable. But there's also another gnawing part of my heart says, but don't you know that if you produce something that's valuable, you'll be drawn into the spirit of this age Don't you know that that's a desire for fame in and of itself? It's almost as if this, it's a catch-22. That this ultra-pious part of me says, all attempts at creativity, all creative endeavors, are inherently of the flesh manifestations of the spirit of this age. And I know that's not true. I know that's a lie. So, at the end of the day, the killer inside me, this killer up inside me, it's not just inconsistency. It's not just disappointment. But it's also fear of success. It's also fear of productivity. It's also fear of fame. It's also fear that something I do might work. And it might work so well that it might go viral. And if it goes viral and the world sees who I am, I might receive too much affirmation from the world and it might go to my head. And I might start just living fully in the grip of the spirit of this age. And that might kill my family and my ministry, destroy my relationship with God. Maybe it's better to be small, unknown. Maybe it's better not to be famous. Maybe it's better to be anonymous. I'm scared of losing the things that matter because ultimately at the end of the day, all money can buy is meaningless things. But seeing a smile on my daughter's face, when I look into her eyes and she looks into mine, and she knows, I see in her face that she knows daddy loves me. Seeing a smile on my wife's face, when I look into her eyes, because I see in those eyes the knowledge that my husband loves me. Those two smiles are everything. Those two smiles are everything. And seeing a smile in God's face, when I look into his eyes, because I can see in his eyes the knowledge my child loves me. 
I want to prioritize that. I want to prioritize that. How do I do that? Without losing sight of all of these creative gifts that God has given me? How do I manifest everything in those creative gifts that he's given me? Without destroying myself. Without being afraid of fame. Without losing my family. This is the contradiction. I both long for fame and fear it. I long for success and I fear it simultaneously. I long for the things of this world and I fear them. And I'm 45 years old. And I'm trying my best to parse what is the appropriate application of the gifts that God has given me. And if I can find that place and be consistent there, just consistent there, and see what happens. That would be something. That would be something. Today is Monday, August 22nd, 2022 at 9.46 a.m. If anybody's out there, if anybody's listening, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. And may his favor be your shield. I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. Talking, talking to my diary. I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. I'm talking to my diary. I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. I'm talking to my diary. I'm talking, 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 talking to my diary. I'm talking to my diary.